want you to turn in your Bibles this morning to Genesis chapter 1. And we're going to lay some, uh, we're going to review some groundwork that we've already talked about. You know, uh, I want you all to know what you have or what is available to you. And I've told you a couple of stories. You know, they're jokes, but they, I don't just tell jokes just to be funny. I tell jokes because it brings out a point and it helps something stick to you. Now, some of you heard me tell a story before about the guy that went to a store and he bought a chainsaw. Went to the hardware store and this guy had a farm, he had some land and he wanted to do clearing out some brush. And so he went to the hardware store and he told the guy behind the counter at the hardware store, he said, I want one of the best saws you have. He said, I got some wood I got to cut, I got some underbrush I want to clear off of my property, I just bought some property, I want to clear it out. He said, I want the best saw you got. And the guy at the hardware store you know, went back in the, in, the, in the storeroom and he pulled out this big chainsaw. And he said, well, you know, this is the chainsaw that professional loggers here in town, they, when they come, the professionals come in and they want a chainsaw, this is the one they get. Got the you know, most dependable engine, easiest to start, the blades stay sharp, easiest to operate. This is the absolute best chainsaw that you can buy. And the guy said, that's the one I want. And so the guy took the cha- gave the guy the money and left the store with the chainsaw. And, uh, you know, the next day the guy comes back in, and as soon as he walks through the door, man, he's red under the collar. You can tell he's mad. He walks right up to the counter. He takes that chainsaw, and he sticks it down the counter. He goes, this thing's the biggest piece of junk i ever seen in my life. And the guy behind the counter is like, whoa. He goes, what's wrong? He said, he said, I, he said I worked with this thing for ten hours, sweat running off of me. It was hot. He said, and, you know, he said, I didn't even cut one truckload of wood with it. He said, this thing is sorry. And the, and the guy behind the counter, you know, he was very apologetic. He said, he said, sir, he said, I really just don't understand. He said, this is, I'm telling you, this is the best chainsaw I have. He said, it's the best, you, you can't find a better chainsaw than this. Professionals use this. He said, you know, I, I just don't understand. He said, I apologize. Let me see if I can find out what the problem is for you. You know, first thing, you know, let's just get this thing started up. And so he puts the thing on the counter and he makes sure it's got fuel in it and he primes it and he pulls the string a couple of times and it takes right off. And the guy that brought the chainsaw back went, what's that sound? Some of y'all get it. The guy was so dumb he didn't know you had to start a chainsaw up to get it to work. He was using it like a handsaw. So what's the point, Pastor? The point is the guy never achieved the potential amount of, of productivity that he could have had with that chainsaw because he didn't know what he had. Oh, somebody told him, you got a saw. But he didn't know what kind of saw it was. He didn't know what the saw could be used for. All he knew, all he was familiar with was taking it and running it back and forth like a, like a handsaw and wore himself out. And some of you, amen, that know Jesus Christ as Lord, you've been born again. Some of you even that have been filled with the Holy Ghost since you've been born again. You're like the people, you're like the guy with the chainsaw. You don't know what you got and you really don't know how to use it. You know, what's the benefit? Oh, I speak it, you know, I got filled with the Holy Ghost and I speak in tongues. Well, yay for you. What's the rest of the benefit? Because you understand getting filled with the Holy Spirit is not so you can say, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit and I pray with tongues. Well, that's great. And, and if you stay around long enough, I'm going to teach you that there is a benefit. Praying in tongues, there is a benefit to being filled with the Holy Ghost and praying in tongues because there's going to be times in your life that I promise you, you, you walk with Jesus long enough, you just keep sucking wind long enough. And you are going to come across circumstances in your life that you ain't smart enough to figure out. And you ain't going to know what to do. You're not even going to know what to pray. And you could go to God and say, God, I just don't even know what to do. I'm just praying asking you to help me. And that's great, and God will honor those prayers. But you know that the Bible says that when we pray in the Spirit, we yield to the Holy Spirit and pray and pray in tongues. 
that we're praying that the, as the Spirit gives you utterance. And how many of you all think that the Holy Ghost is smarter than you are? Amen. Whether you admit it or not, He is infinitely smarter than you are. And He knows exactly what it would take. What, he knows exactly what God would have to do to remedy that situation, to bring you out on top, to give you victory in that situation where you're walking out God's path and you're walking in the blessing of God. And when you are filled with the Holy Ghost and you can pray in the Spirit and pray in tongues, Amen, it, it gives Him more opportunity to more accurately work on that situation because you need to just realize this. God's not going to do nothing for you that you don't ask Him to. Why bother to pray? Oh, I, brother, I, pastor, I don't believe that. I believe God's going to do whatever God wants to do. The Bible says that God has plans. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. God says, I know the plans I have for you to prosper you and to give you a, a future and a hope. Not Plans not to harm you, but to give you a future and a hope and to prosper you. Well, how come you ain't prospering? Are you asking Him? Are you asking Him? And this is the other thing. Not just are you asking Him, Oh, God, prosper me. Oh, God, help me do good. God, help me to have blessings in my life. Are you asking Him what He wants you to do to release those blessings in your life? Because you understand the blessings of God only follow obedience. They only follow obedience to the Word. You say, well, you know, if you might be saying, Well, you know, my finances, you know, I'm not getting any breakthroughs in my finances. Well, are you being obedient to the Word in your finances? Do you tithe? No. Well, hello, your finances are cursed. And any extra income that you get coming in is not a blessing of God. It's just the devil probably slipping you a little extra money to keep you in disobedience to keep you under the curse. Amen? Praise God, some of you, you understand this. Well, yeah, I tithe. Well, are you obedient to the Holy Ghost when the Holy Spirit says give? Because we're going to get into something this morning that's going to let you know that true success in life, true success, in life means you follow the word of the king and you follow the leadership of the spirit. It's, it, it has always been God's plan to prosper man and for God to release his blessings into man's life and into the world have always been based on two things. Man is obedient to God's word. Man is obedient to the leadership of God's spirit. And it's still God's plan. Amen? So you understand this? Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. We're going to read this. And God blessed them, God, verse 12, I'll back up and read verse 27. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So you understand when God talks about man, he means mankind. Adam and Eve were both to God. They were man. God assigned a sexual identity to both of them for the purpose of the first commandment he was going to give them. Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Amen? So you understand it says God, and it says, and God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over every living thing that moves on the earth. And so you understand this is realizing this, the original intent, and we've said this a lot, but we are building on this and we're changing. How many of you all know it takes, a while to, it takes more time to turn an aircraft carrier than it does a, a rowboat? Lord spoke that revelation to me one time when I uh, took a position at a large church and was, was frustrated because I couldn't get the department to change as quick as I had at another church I'd been at. The Lord said, said it takes longer to, to turn an aircraft carrier than it does a rowboat. You're in a rowboat, you can stop one paddle and, go, and turn the thing around just like that. You're in an aircraft carrier going, what, 18, 20 knots? See how, many, see how much water it takes to turn that thing around. 
And so you understand, what, what's your point, Pastor? What I'm talking about is so many of us, we have preconceived notions of the Word and what we think the Word means and what God's really saying. And sometimes it takes, it takes repetition. It takes faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing because most of y'all, I would wager, have grown up thinking that Jesus came to die on the cross so when we died, we went to heaven and we lived in heaven forever. And that's not what the Bible teaches. And so that's why pastors going back over this and over it is, is God's original intention was He created man, placed man on the earth, and said, I want you, Adam and Eve. You know, He's speaking to both of them. He wasn't saying to the man, man, I want you to rule the earth, and uh, yeah, you just be his little sidekick. Uh-uh. God didn't say it. God spoke to both of them. He said, I want you to subdue the earth. I want you to rule over the earth. You know, He didn't say rule over people. Who's supposed to rule over people? God's supposed to rule over the people, and the governor is the Holy Ghost that lives inside of you. Amen? But God told Adam and Eve, He said, I want you to rule the earth. And so you understand this. He, God intended for man to rule or have dominion over the earth according to His will. Amen? How many of you know God, God didn't tell Adam, well, here it is, do whatever you want to with it. How many of you that are parents that got vehicles for your children at one time, you got your child a car, you didn't hand them keys and say, here it is, do whatever you want to with it. Glory to God, you know they'd be out someplace mud-bogging in the thing or running 150 miles an hour down the interstate about to blow the tires off, right? No, that when you gave them, that, when you gave them a gift, that it, you understood it was with circumstances. Most of you, if you were very good parents at all, it was communicated to your children, here, you know, I'm trusting you with this, I'm giving this to you as a gift. Your mother, I'm not under any obligation to this, but I'm giving this to you because I love you. Here are the stipulations. You don't get out and drive reckless. If I catch you driving reckless, you're losing your, your privilege to have the car. If you go out and you get a DUI, you're riding a bicycle till you're 21. Huh? There were stipulations that was given. And, and most of you, if you were given a car when you were your parents, if your parents bought you a car, amen, you had some stipulations that went along with it, right? So this is the thing. So just as when you gave a gift and you delegated, because you understand when you gave someone car keys, you really, you delegated authority to them. The authority to operate that motor vehicle, right? Well, this is what God's done with man. God says, I want you to rule the earth and have dominion on it. And God said, but you know what? The, here are stipulations. I want, you to, I want you to have authority upon the earth according to my will. Now, there's two ways God revealed His will. Amen? God reveals His will by His Word. That's pretty simple, right? I don't even have to give you a Scripture reference to that. If I, if I tell you something, if I say, I would really like to, da, 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 da. Well, you know what my will is, right? Unless I'm just lying to you. How many of you think that God's lying? God doesn't lie. The Bible says God's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent, change the way he thinks. In other words, God shoots it straight. And so God said, God revealed, God reveals his will through his word. Amen? You understand this? Genesis, I'm going to read this to you. Genesis 2, 16 and 17. God gave Adam, God gave man his word. The first word he gave him was, be fruitful and replenish the earth. That was over there in chapter 1, verse 28. But verse, uh, Genesis 2, 16 and 17, God says, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat from it you shall surely die. Okay? So my point is, is God gave his word to man. Adam had God's Word. God expressed His will. I want you to rule over the earth. I want you to have authority on the earth. 
I want you to be fruitful, multiply. That's the tree over. Leave it alone. Every other tree you can have, just don't touch that one. Some people, oh, what kind of tree was it? Was it an apple tree? Was it a peach tree? Was it a pecan tree? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all what kind of tree it was. It was a tree. It was a tree that God said, do not touch. Amen? And honestly, the fruit itself wasn't what was bad. It was the, it was the act of disobedience. Doesn't matter what it was. Because I've heard some people, they're so silly. I want to know what kind of fruit it was so I don't eat none today. It's too late, you knothead. Amen? Sin already entered the world. And if you're born again, it don't matter. God ain't said nothing about don't eat that tree no more, right? But you understand. So God gave His Word. He revealed His will. Now remember, we're talking about God intending man to... And you understand this, that God in, God's intention for Adam was for him to walk in health. I ask you this question. If Adam was still alive today, where would he be? He'd be, on, he'd be in the garden. He'd be on the earth because God, when God created man, death wasn't even in the picture. God never intended for man to die. So if Adam had not sinned, death would have never entered the world. Adam would still be alive. He'd still be in the garden. He'd still be on the earth. Why? Because the original intent was man. The earth was God, God created the earth for man. Right? And so, but God revealed His, His word. He said, He said, this is the word you live by. Amen? God's intention was for man to, to, to be upon the earth, be successful, walking in victory. God, you understand this, God never intended for there to be a circumstance that would ever arise to Adam that he wouldn't be able to overcome. God never, God never intended not once for uh, Adam to have a bill that he couldn't get the money to pay for. Some of you say, well, he didn't have no bills back then. I'm, I'm, I'm just giving you examples. God, I'll put it this way. There was never, God never intended for there ever to be a scenario arise in Adam's life where he failed, and did not walk in victory. Well, how do you know that, Pastor? Because God created Adam and Eve in His image and in His likeness, and do you think God's ever had a situation that He failed? Do you think for one instance that there was ever a circumstance that rose up that God went, Oh, me! Some of y'all get that. When we get in trouble, we go, Oh, God. What's He say? Oh, me. There's never been a circumstance arise where God went, Oh, me! I don't know what I'm going to do. And there's never been any time that God has ever failed. And so we were created in God's likeness and in God's image originally, okay? We're talking originally. And so there never was a circumstance. God never intended for there to be a circumstance arise in Adam's life that Adam couldn't go, mm, I got the word of God on that, and bless God, I'm walking in victory over it. Amen? Because you understand this, when I'm talking to you, I'm not talking about, let's get saved, let's make Jesus Lord, and so when we die, we can, when, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. Okay? What I'm talking about is, is in this life, we walk in this life in victory, and if you die before Jesus comes back to, to sit on the throne, amen, on the earth, on the new earth, if you die before then, then you go to heaven for a while, amen, and when the Bible talks about in Revelations, when He comes back with all the saints and He sets up the kingdom on the earth, praise God, that you understand, you've walked in victory all, all your whole life, and then when you die, you get to go take a little hiatus and be in heaven and see all the wonders there, but then you come back and you fulfill the plan of God because God's not failed, remember? And the original plan was, I create the earth and I put man on it and I fellowship with man. And anything short of that, God failed. If the de You understand this, and this is just... this is. A little bit of, fill, of, of filling back the foundation. You understand God's original intention was put man on the earth, because that's what He did, right? Come and walk with man in the cool of the day and fellowship with man, and man rules on the earth in, in, as a co-regent of God. Man rules on the earth, and God has fellowship with That was God's original intention. Then what happened? Then sin, then the fall. 
if it ne- if God doesn't get things right back, to, if at the end it's not put back the exact way He wanted it, then God failed. What do you mean, Pastor? What I mean is, is if the popular concept of if we all die and go to heaven and spend eternity in heaven with God, which is not even biblical, you cannot prove that to me by Scripture. If that is what happens, then God failed. Because His original intention was to create the earth and put man on it and come, to the earth, to come in fellowship with man on the earth. And anything other than that in the end, that's not like that, then, then the devil thwarted God's plans and God failed. But how many of you all know God's not going to fail? God is not a failure. God does not fail. Amen? He walks in victory. He speaks it and it happens. Okay? And so my point is, is to get you to realize that God's original intention for Adam was to walk in victory on this earth. And that doesn't mean that there's not going to be circumstances because you understand things have changed some. We're working towards something. But God's plan for you still as a born-again, spirit-filled child of God, son of God, His plan for you is there's never a circumstance comes up that you can't walk in victory over. Amen? Even when it looks like a temporary setback, I'm walking by faith and I know that God has said that if I do the Word, if I honor Him, and I keep His Word, and I'm led by the Spirit, because you understand, you can miss it. You can miss the victory, and you can miss the blessing that God has for you in your life if you disobey His Word or you disobey the Spirit. Either one of them. We're going to get into it. Amen? So God reveals His will by His Word. The second thing that God uses to reveal His will. How many of y'all know the Bible does not... And people have made this criticism. Well, the Bible just doesn't speak to every circumstance in life. It just doesn't... You, know, it, you understand this? You know, some people say... I, I've heard people say before, well, you know, the Bible doesn't say anything about uh, smoking reefer. I've actually had someone tell me that before. Well, you know, the Bible, you know, I know the Bible says not, not to get drunk, so I don't get drunk, but it don't say nothing about smoking reefer. Yeah, it does. Over the book of Revelations, it says that all, those, all these people that did not uh, repent for their sorceries, and that word sorceries is the Greek word pharmakitos, and it literally means drug abuse. It says all those people who did not repent of their, pharm- of their pharmakitos were cast into the lake of fire. So yeah, the Bible does speak about that. What's that? That's the sound of nickel bags getting flushed. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Oh God, I got to flush my pot when I get home. No, you understand? But you understand that the Bible does speak to everything. This is the thing. It cannot speak specifically to that. Do you know that, the, that God didn't have the foresight, you know, thousands of years ago when he was speaking through his prophets and his apostles to write the word to say, now, Brian, when you get up you know, on this day, you're going to have this particular temptation come up and this is what I want you to do. Because you realize if God wrote a Bible big enough to do that just for your life, you'd need a forklift to carry it around. Right? But you understand the Word speaks generally to every circumstance in your life. Every circumstance. The Bible doesn't say anything about pornography, does it? But it does say if you look upon a woman and you lust to have her, then you've already committed adultery, right? So it seems to me like that's a pretty easy application to say, okay, it doesn't say anything about Internet pornography, but if God didn't want me to look at a woman and lust for her, then I probably don't need to be looking at Internet pornography and lusting at a woman, right? Okay? So the Bible does speak to everything. Here's the other thing, though, is the Spirit of God. God reveals His will for your life through His Word. The next way, and it is an essential way, because you're handicapping yourself if you don't have this available to you, is by His Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2.10 says, The Spirit searches the deep things of God. Searches the deep things. And this passage of Scripture talks about, No one knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man in him. 
In other words, you can come to church and or I can meet you in public, you can come to church, and you can put on happy face, and you can talk to me, and pretend like everything's going on. And man, and you and your wife could have been spatting and cussing each other on the way to church, and I just don't know it. Why? Because you're putting on happy face. Hey, Pastor, hallelujah, God's good. Okay? And and I, and I you, know, you might be able to fool me, unless the Holy Ghost tells off on you. Oh, he wouldn't do that, would he? Mm, he might. A little word of wisdom action going on. Pastor might go, really? Everything's good. Y'all slapping and cussing each other halfway to church. Amen. He could do that. But you understand that no one knows all your issues. A lot of times not even your spouse. Your spouse don't know all the thoughts you have to cast down in a day. Now, if she did, she'd kill you sometimes, wouldn't she? <laughs> Glory to God. Some of you, your wife or your husband, would kill you if they knew some of the thoughts that you were. But this thing, you're casting them down, right? You understand this, you can't, Brother Hagin, you say, you can't keep a bird from flying over your head, but you can keep it from building a nest in your hair, right? Amen. Some of us ain't got no hair for the birds to build nests in, right? Look straight ahead. Don't look at your spouse. Amen. Glory to God. <laughs> but you understand what the Word is saying is, is that, that nobody knows all the things that you deal with, the thoughts you deal with, the stuff you have to deal with, thoughts of, Am I going to make it? Thoughts of, I, 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 man, I'm such a loser. Or thoughts, you know, the devil's throwing darts at you. Oh, you're never going to get, you know, you're never going to walk in victory. You're never going to, you know, blah, blah, blah. All this negative stuff that he's throwing at you. Nobody, nobody knows the good things you're thinking. Nobody, and, until you act on them and you release it. My point is, but your spirit knows it. You know that within yourself. You're, you're the one that's conscious of all the things that's going on inside of you. Because you are you, right? Amen. I hope you are. I hope you ain't got multiple personality demon possession going on. Amen. <laughs> but your spirit, you know what's going on in you. Well, then the Bible goes right ahead and says, it says, and likewise, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now, some people say, well, see, we're never going to know what God wants to do. No, 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 no. That's why you get filled with the Holy Ghost. That's why you learn to listen to Him, and He speaks things to you. Didn't Jesus say over in John's Gospel, right around the 15th, 16th chapter, when He was talking about, I'm going to send you another comforter, I'm going to send you another counselor, and He's going to speak to you the things of the Father. Because you understand this, God's not trying to withhold any information from you. God is not trying to keep you in order. You mean to tell me, for? don't try to convince me for one minute that there are circumstances in your life that have serious implications on your life. And you're praying, and, and well, God just ain't telling me nothing. No, 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 you're just not hearing. Because if it's important, and it has life-changing uh, ramifications to your life, believe me, God loves you enough that He's trying to speak to you and trying to get to you. And sometimes we just let our mind... And distractions of the world get in the way from us hearing clearly. Because he wants to hear. He's not a liar. James, over in the book of James, says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives to all men liberally and upbraideth not. So don't tell me God's not speaking to you about your circumstances. Something's just keeping you from hearing. Something's just got your reception uh, plugged up. Something's got your little ham radio, your little spiritual ham radio turned over on the wrong frequency. Whoo, glory to God. Some of us are on the wrong frequency, right? We can't be plugged into the devil's frequency all week long and then wonder when the crisis comes up, God, why can't I hear you? Because you're on the devil channel. You're on, you on, uh, on DV, the devil band, devil bandwidth. you got AM, FM, and DM, the devil's whatever, whatever M stands for. What's M stand for? AM and F, I don't know. Glory to God. But you understand, God, the Bible says that the Spirit knows the things of God. 
And God is obsessed with you. Huh? God is thoroughly obsessed with every human being on the face of the planet. And He wants you to be able to hear from Him clearly. He wants you to walk in the Word. And then when there's a circumstance that comes up in your life that the Word does not speak specifically to. Amen? Whatever. Take your pick. Something's in your mind right now that's a crisis that you're facing. Yep, that's what He wants to talk to you about. What's His Word say about how does, how does He say in His Word to address that? What is the Holy Spirit telling you you need to do? And this is the thing, you'll never be able to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit as clearly as you can if you're, if you're not full of the Word. It just ain't going to happen. Like this, you know, How many of you all think that if you go to... to uh, if you go to Jeopardy, if you go uh, go out to California, you want to be on Jeopardy, and you've studied everything but Middle Eastern history, <laughs> and final Jeopardy is, the subject is M- Middle Eastern history. Oh, snap! <laughs> what do you mean, oh, snap? Oh, snap, I didn't study anything. I didn't study anything. I didn't even know that was going to be a subject. I didn't require any of that. And odds are I'm probably not going to know anything that is on the test. Why? Because when you're put on spot and the, and the question comes and you've not, put, you've not fed anything into yourself about that subject, you're ill-prepared to when the question comes to answer it, right? So I thought we were talking about the Holy Spirit, Pastor. I am talking about the Holy Spirit. What I'm saying is, is a lot of times how many... just Think, think of this and answer it to yourself. How many times have you been in here that you know that you've heard the Holy Spirit speak to you and what He spoke to you was something that He'd take you back in remembrance of something in the Word? So you see, this is to, to optimize your ability to hear what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. You have to be a student of the Word. And it can't be this stuff, amen, praise God. It can't be this stuff where, well, I come to church once a week and I get me some Word. You eat once a week and see how healthy you stay. See how healthy your body is when you eat one meal a week. Well, you know, I, I come to church, you know, I come to church once a week and, uh, you know, and I got a little, uh, devo- I got one of those little toilet books. I caught flack the last time I used that example. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You got the little devotional or a little Christian magazine on the back of your toilet and when you go in, you grab it and you do 45 seconds or some of you might do 45 minutes. Amen. <laughs> of a little devotional time, you know. This is the thing. Eat one meal a week and then just have a, a hundred calorie snack five times a week and even see how good you, your body does. I mean, we need to realize that that we're so... <clears throat> we're so flesh conscious. And believers, we ought not be this way. You realize that, that, that the whole world, the Bible calls it sensual sensual, things that appeal to your senses. That we are so sensual and flesh conscious that we pay more attention to meeting the desires of the flesh and what our flesh wants, that we, we, we place greater emphasis on taking care of those things than what our spirit man wants. Because you think about it. You get up in the morning and maybe you skip breakfast. Maybe you have a cup of coffee. Maybe you grab a Coke on the way out the door or something like that. Whatever your routine is. You know, Mountain Dew, whatever. You grab your little drink, you go out the door and you skip breakfast. And guess what? It doesn't. It, it's not noon before it happens. It's just a matter of time. Your body's going to start going, Rawr! 
world. Feed me. You know? And guess what? You're going to make a high priority. Man, there's got to be a vending machine around here. There's got to be some fruit around here. Man, I'm looking in my glove compartment. There's got to be some stale animal crackers that the kids left in there a month ago. There's got to be something in this car because I'm hungry. My flesh wants something. How many of you all know that we'll give that a high priority? Man, flesh wants something. Flesh wants it. Flesh wants it now. Let's get it. But how many of us are that conscious and that attentive to when your spirit's going, Feed me. Because your spirit's going, and this is the thing, and we just push that off. Mm. I'm good. I'm good. I got, more, I got other stuff to do. And then guess what? What you feed grows. Glory to God. I got two boys. What you feed grows. <laughs> Amen? And you understand this, that if you're, if you're not careful, I hope some because I'm going to tell you what, this is good, and I hope some of us are getting it. What you feed you know, Pastor Cheyenne is so hardcore. Now, some of you ain't never seen her if she ain't been pregnant. Glory to God, she's pregnant with Jared. And a couple months later, now she's pregnant with Savannah. Pastor Cheyenne is a Spartan. I mean, I, I remember when I was in college and we were studying world history, they talked about Spartans would take their infants, that would take their toddlers, and make them run barefoot over sharp rocks. Because Spartans, the whole culture of Sparta was around being a you know, strong warrior and being a strong, uh, battle-hardened warrior. And they'd take their kids and let them run across broken rocks. And they'd cut their feet, cut their feet, but it would callous their feet even when they were younger, so their feet would be uh, calloused and scarred and tough to where when they marched out in the battle, you know, they, you know, why, why would they march twice as far as another army and not complain about their feet hurting? Because they're like, dude, at least they ain't broken rocks, right? Pastor Cheyenne's a Spartan. When it comes to things about absolute, telling her flesh no about something, if she if she go if she wants something if there's something if she goes out to eat and there's something that she wants too bad and you know this Pastor Shine those of y'all that have seen her when she's not pregnant she's small she she ain't got no weight problem I mean she's probably about ten pounds under what her ideal weight could be and that's why when she gains twenty seven pounds with each baby that she has she only looks like she's about seventeen pounds overweight and people don't even know she's pregnant and then the next thing we know we're pushing another baby carriage but she has trained herself where she is so she is so smart that sometimes she'll deny herself something just to let her flesh know my spirit rules you don't rule me flesh earth suit your desires and the things that you crave don't rule me my spirit is stronger and my spirit I, my spirit is going to tell you what you can have and sometimes, and that's why some of you if you go out to dinner with us or you come over and, and you may be bringing a dessert or something like that you'll see her she goes, nope, ain't having it and it ain't because she needs to lose weight it's because, and this is the thing, three or four times in a, 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 she may go ahead and have something. But if she catches herself where she feels like that she's letting herself be moved a little bit too much by what, her desi- what the desires of her flesh, and you know, I'm not talking just about food. I'm using this for an example. Sometimes your body's going to desire uh, eight hours of sleep, and your spirit's going to say, take six and spend two praying in the Holy Ghost. Whoo, glory to God. Pastor, that's never happened to me. You ain't on the right frequency. Hmm? It might be, you know, it might be that um, you want to buy $200 worth of groceries for your home that particular week, and the Holy Spirit says, buy $125 worth of groceries and buy 75 and take it to this family. It's training yourself to deny what your, the things your flesh wants. 
Well, my flesh just wants to stay up in the bed here on Sunday morning because, you know, I work really hard. And your spirit said, uh, get up, get up, get up. Get yourself out of bed and go to church and bring your supply. Because church needs your supply, the supply of the Spirit that God's given you. That as you seek God, as you hide His Word in your heart, as you're reading the Word, as you're learning and conditioning yourself to be led by the Holy Ghost, He's going to give you something, and you get that supply, and you bring it to this body, and when you release that supply, and you release what the Holy Spirit's given you, the Bible says that when every joint brings its supply and releases in the body, that growth occurs. Amen? You understand this? This isn't just a happy, feel-good club. This is teaching you that if you, that there is, I remember, man, glory to God, some of you may know him. Guy's name, um, there's a pastor over in Douglas, and his name was Barry, Barry Peavy. And his father, what's his father's name? C.T. Peavy. This is the first time I met him. Pastor Shy and I, we hadn't been in, in Douglas a week from when we moved back from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Hadn't been in Douglas. First time I ever met the man in my life in Walmart in the produce section. And he walked up to me, and he wasn't spooky about it at all. He was like, ooh. You ever seen some people that they act like every time the Holy Ghost gives them something, they go in, in spook mode? Ooh, I'm spooky. Have you ever seen, y'all know what I'm talking about. Ooh, you know, they just start floating around, I guess they get in ghost mode. The Holy Spirit's not spooky like that. He wasn't spooky about it. He walked up to me and, and Cheyenne said, Hey, Mr. Peavy, this is my fiancée because we were just engaged at the time. She was living with her parents and I was living in a two-bedroom apartment over on, on College Avenue, 216 and a half. College Avenue and a half. Why was it a half? It wasn't big enough to be 216 or 217. It wasn't big enough to be 217. <laughs> it's 216 and a half. And the first thing he said to me is, he said, You know what, young man? He said, it is possible to walk in the Spirit all the time. He said, nice meeting you. <laughs> That's all it was. And he didn't give me any of that, ooh, kind of stuff. Just, you know what? It is possible to walk in the Spirit all the time. And I'm telling you, man, it's like dropping a spiritual A-bomb on me. Because I knew that and I was conscious of that, but just that... that, that when God speaks a word to you, this is something that will help some of you all. When somebody comes to you and says, I believe I have a word from God. or Because this thing, most of the time when I say it, I don't say, i got a word for you. Now, if I think you're dense, I might say, i got a word for you. <laughs> i got a word from the Lord. Some of you all are going to remember that the next time a pastor comes up and says, i got a word from God for you. The pastor thinks I'm dense. Well, <laughs> But you understand is that when someone... When God genuinely gives someone a word from Him to you, because that's one of the ways to be led by the Spirit. And we'll teach on that again soon. I taught on that last year. Being led by the Holy Ghost. One of the ways He'll lead you is through people coming to you and giving you a word. You know, the Bible talks about a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, prophecy. When someone does that and speaks it, it's, it's usually, most of the time, it's going to bear witness with you something that the Holy Ghost already spoke to you. Brother Hagen used to say, if somebody comes to you and they give you a word and it's just out there, the Lord and the Lord's never dealt with you about it all, he's just like, just put it up on the shelf. No, don't even necessarily just write it off because you know the Bible tells us not to despise prophecies, unless it's the person that comes to church. Every time they come to church, they got a prophecy. Then you can despise them. No, I'm Amen. I'm joking. Amen. I'm joking. But you understand this is that when someone has a word, it's gonna it's gonna bear witness with something, and that's what when he said that man, it just. 
just exploded in me because it just confirmed some stuff that the Lord had already been speaking to me and ministering to me at that time. But anyway, so God, understand this. This is what I want you to get out of this. We're going to wrap this up. This man, glory to God, I'll probably teach you on this two or three weeks. Okay? God's original plan, man is in the garden on the earth. There's never a circumstance and never a situation where man fails where man does not walk in victory. doesn't mean that you don't have setbacks. doesn't mean you don't have symptoms in your body. doesn't mean you don't have circumstances come up in your life. doesn't mean you don't have that. But it means that when those obstacles come, you have got the, the Christian, the, belief, the, the, the advantage of the sons of God. I gotta, sometimes I just got to qualify this because I don't even like to use the word Christian because it's become so tainted. But the sons of God, what does the Bible say? As many are as led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Okay? So, God's original intention, man's on the earth, man never faces a circumstance that he does not walk in victory over because I am God and I have created you in my image and in my likeness. I've breathed into you, amen, and, I've, and I have equipped you and I've given you my word and I've given you my spirit and all you got to do, you follow my word, you follow my spirit, victory all the time. Every circumstance. Oh, what about what if I have a setback? Doesn't matter. You just keep chopping wood, and guess what? Victory's coming around. You don't cast off your confidence. You keep doing the word. You keep being obedient to the Spirit. And this is the trick of the devil, because victory is postponed. You give up. You know, you start going to church. You're going to be faithful to church. You're going to be faithful to get involved in church. You're sowing. You're giving, man. You're reading your word. You're doing all the right stuff that that, you, that we know as believers, as disciples, because disciple means one who is disciplined. And you're doing all the things that you know that the Bible teaches us that if we're going to be disciples of Jesus, we discipline ourselves, and we do. And then guess what? Something goes wrong, and and the breakthrough is put off. Here's what the devil wants you to do. Cast off your confidence. Just cast it off. Man, I tried that stuff. I tried wearing it. I tried doing what... I tr- man, I tried, I tried going to church every time I had the opportunity to do. I, I, I tried getting involved and in doing the work of the ministry and, and helping grow stuff. I tried you know, reading the Word and, and speaking the Word over my circumstances. And I tried praying. But you know what? It don't work. And then guess what? You've set yourself up for failure. Because you've cast off your confidence. That word, and you understand that word confidence, it just means faith. If you have confidence in someone, you have faith in them, right? So if the devil can trick you into just pushing the stake out there just a little bit, well, I cast off that confidence. I'm throwing off my faith. I tried it. How many of you heard people say that? Well, I tried Jesus. I tried that churchy stuff. I tried confessing that word. You've heard them say, you've been in it long enough. You've heard them say, well, I tried confessing. I tried all that believe in your heart and confess with your mouth kind of stuff. And you know what? It just didn't work. Huh? Guess what? They've cast off their confidence. They've cast off their faith and what the Holy Spirit speaks to them as far as, uh, you know, this is, how, this, is, this is what the Word says and this is how you apply what the Word says in your life. This is how you do it. They've cast it off. And then guess what? They've, you've, dis, you've made yourself disqualified from being able to reap the promise. You've made yourself disqualified for when a circumstance comes that God said, I have created you and ordained you and made you to be a creature of victory, made you to be a son of God that walks in victory in every circumstance. You've disqualified yourself because you cast it off and you stopped being obedient to it. Amen? Praise God. So Adam was given both the Word and the Spirit. And I say, oh, now, Pastor, I've never heard before. How many of y'all know Adam was a spirit-filled 
Son of God. The Bible teaches clearly that, that you understand this, and I don't have time to teach on this this morning, but being born again is not, woohoo, I've got everything. Some churches will say, well, if we don't believe in any second works of grace. Well, if you ever made a mistake in your life, you believe in a second work of grace, don't you? If you ever sinned since you got born again, you believe in a second work of grace. Don't tell me you don't believe in a second work of grace. Okay? The Bible teaches clearly that you get born again and then you get filled with the Holy Ghost. You can't be filled with the Holy Ghost until you're born again. Okay? You can't. And they are two different, distinct occurrences. You can get. I've seen some people, and the Bible talks about people getting born again and filled with the Holy Ghost at the same time. But no one ever gets filled with the Holy Ghost before they get born again. Okay? Adam was a spirit-filled man. I want to give you this. We're going to wrap this up very shortly. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Says, then the Lord God formed man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Now we're just going to touch on stuff. I'm going to introduce this and let y'all have a have, let y'all have uh, six days to Selah. How many y'all know in Psalms when it says Selah, it means pause and meditate on this. I'm going to give you six days to Selah on this. And we're going to look at this again. The Bible says that God breathed the breath of life into Adam's nostrils and he became a living soul. Quickly, Holy Spirit, help me to get this, people. Breath. The Bible says God breathed the breath of life into Adam. That word breath, it literally means a puff that is wind, that is of wind. Hebrew word is neshama. Okay, I'm not going to give you. I'm not going to try to pronounce any more Hebrew words. Okay, but the meaning is a puff that is of wind. So God breathed, put in man the breath of life, a puff that is of wind. Okay. Um, in the Old Testament, and I'm just trying to lay some groundwork here for your understanding. So when God breathed the breath of life into Adam, it was a puff as of wind. <clears throat> All through the Old Testament, every other place in the Old Testament when it talks about the Spirit of God, when Saul prophesied and it said the Spirit of God came upon him, when prophets prophesied and it says the Spirit of the Lord came upon them, okay? With that word Spirit in the entire rest of the entire Old Testament, when it's talking about the Spirit of God, it is a, a, the word Ruach, the Hebrew word Ruach. I can't pronounce that one. Amen? And it means wind by resemblance breath. I'm, I'm getting you all some, getting your gears a going here, right? So God breathed the breath of life, breath, puff, that is of wind, the, referring to the Spirit of God through the Old Testament. It says, it means, that word Ruach means wind or breath, in the New Testament, in the New Testament, um, it is the, the Greek, when it talks about the Holy Spirit, when it says on Acts chapter 2, in Acts chapter 2, it said they were all in one place in one accord, and, and they were all filled with the Spirit and began to speak in tongues and prophesy as, as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. That word Spirit is the Greek word pneuma, and it literally means a current of air. Breath, or a breeze. So, 
what I'm wanting you to see here, because like I said, some of you might be scratching your head going, man, I never heard anybody say before that Adam was a spirit-filled man as we understand spirit-filled beings. Remember, God's intention is to get man, is to eventually get man back to the original state that he was in the, in the beginning. So if God's plan for man right now is that, that, we become born, that we get born again and that we're filled with the Holy Ghost... Don't it make sense then, just by deduction, even if we didn't look at these word meanings, doesn't it make sense by deduction? Obviously, if God is working us all, if He's working it back to what His original intent was and where He wanted us to be, and it was for us to be uh, beings, for us to be beings who were filled with His Spirit so that we could more perfectly execute His will and walk in victory in every circumstance of life, then doesn't it make sense if that's where He's taken us? Then that must be one of the things that was back where in the beginning, right? That Adam was filled with the Spirit of God. Okay, so the Bible says that God breathed into Adam the breath, the wind, the breath, the puff of wind, the, the wind, the breath, the current of air of life into Adam. So when God, And it says He became a living soul. I'm going to give this to you real quick. We're quitting in two minutes. Amen? Adam, it says, understand this, it says that Adam became a living soul. The Hebrew word for living literally means alive. And soul means breathing creature. Adam, when God breathed the breath of life into him, Adam became a, an alive, breathing creature. That's what it literally means. Living soul. He became an alive, breathing creature. What's that tell me? Is if you can be a, an alive, breathing creature, then God obviously thinks that there's such a thing as a non-alive or a dead, breathing creature, right? Oh, what are you talking about, Pastor? You're, talk, you're just talking nonsense now. Brian, Pastor Brian, much learning has made you mad. No, it hasn't. Because the Bible tells us, okay, do animals, do animals have souls? Remember, three-part being, spirit, soul, body. Soul being mind, will, intellect, and emotions. Do animals have souls? Any of you all that have a pet? No, your dog, your, dog, your cat, your hamster, your gerbil, your python, they got a mind, will, intellect, and emotions. You ever got your dog mad? You ever made your dog sad? Have you ever had to pull a Jesse Duplantis and apologize to your dog because the Holy Ghost said, you mean to your dog, go apologize to him. Some of y'all ain't heard that story, amen? Animals have a soul because your soul is just your mind, your will, your intellect, and your emotions. And any of you, if you've worked with horses, you've worked with dogs, cows, anything, animals have emotions. You can tell when an animal's upset. You can tell when an animal's feeling pretty good, right? Pet a cat and it purrs. You know it's happy, right? So what made man different than animals, because this is the God. When God breathed the breath of life, it, when he when he breathed the wind of being alive into Adam, then Adam became a living, alive soul, breathing creature. And so, it was what was that that God breathed into him? Amen. What did God What did God breathe into him? God breathed into Adam the Holy Spirit because this is the thing. God knew if man was going to rule on the earth and if man was going to walk in the victory that God intended and ordained for man to walk upon on the earth, they not only had to have God's Word, but man was going to, for man to be a, an alive, breathing creature, man was going to have to be filled with God's Spirit so that back at, over there in, in, in Corinthians, where I spoke to you out of Corinthians, that no man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of man. No man knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. God knew if man's going to fulfill the, the, 
the command that I gave him to rule and reign upon the earth successfully. He's got to have my word and he's got to have my spirit. And, I, and Adam had the spirit. Amen? And this is the thing. Each and every one of us, you either have it or if you haven't got it, it's available to you. And this is the thing. Going back to the story I opened this, this teaching up with about the guy with the chainsaw. Some of you, you got it, and you just don't know how to pull the string and, and stomp the throttle down. You don't know how to do it. Well, you know, I had somebody lay hands on me, and I got filled with the Holy Ghost, and I spoke in tongues once. But other than that, I just really don't know what good it is because you haven't been taught. It's not just so, just, not just so you can speak in tongues. Amen? Some of you say, man, I, you know, I haven't even been born again. You've got to be born again to even be eligible to receive this and to begin to walk in what God's planned for you in your life. So this